0: And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles as we're just transitioning here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be sharing some passages out of a great chapter and continue in our series even as we talk about the resurrection. Hey, while, while the men are finishing up, I want to review just a little bit about the inner man. For those of you that haven't been with us these last several weeks, we've been talking about the inner man. Now, you were created, believe it or not, with an inner man and an outer man. Most of us know the outer man because this is, the outer man is a shell or this body that you were created with. And, and so as we interact with each other, of the time you and I are interacting with each other based on this outer man, based on this body. That's how we sum each other up. That's how we evaluate each other. That's how we begin to think towards one another, mostly with the outer shell, the outer man. Now, the outer man has five things that try to dominate it, and those five things are called our five senses. You know what the five senses are, right? It's touch, taste, smell, hear and feel thank you well that was kind of touch taste hear see taste all right five of them though i do know there's five of them i'm doing this on the fly people so 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 you may need to help me okay you can get involved in the message today but those five senses isn't not true that those five senses are how most of us navigate life we'll see something we'll hear something Maybe we'll taste something. I mean, if you taste rotten food, what do you do? Yeah, you, you react to it. So these senses are powerful things. And the fact of the matter is the outer man most of the time is controlled by these five senses. Now, the point we're trying to make is this, that, that God doesn't want you controlled by your senses because if you're controlled by what you hear and what you see and what you taste and what you smell and what you feel you can be making some super bad decisions that will lead you down a wrong path, right? Especially if you see something that's wrong or hear something that's wrong, it can cause you to make a decision out of that that leads you in a wrong direction. So your senses, while they're not evil, your senses aren't to be trusted as priority, which is why there's an inner man. And inside of this inner man, there's both a soul and a spirit. There's two compartments in there. The spirit is the part of you that God communes with. So when you're sensing God talking to you or you're sensing something spiritual in nature, that's your spirit. The Bible says that His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so that's the part of you that God interacts with. But the second part of you, this compartment, so to speak, is what is called the soul. And the soul has your mind, your emotions as well as your capacity to choose or to decide. And and so your soul is the decision center of your life. So here, here's, here's the challenge. The challenge is, will your senses that come through the outer man as it goes into your soul... Will your soul begin to process for your next decision your senses, what you maybe saw or you heard with your natural eyes or ears? Is that how you're going to process all of life? Or will you let the spirit part of you, that part that God dwells in, that God speaks to, that God works in, will you allow that to be processed in your soul? so that you will see like He sees, and that you will hear as He hears, and that you won't just look at what's natural, but you will see beyond the natural in order to know what's really going on because God's working with you, talking to you, and speaking to you. And this this is the crux of the Christian life that brings us to the point of either victory or defeat. Because we're defeated when we listen to too much on what's going on in the outside and not what God's saying on the inside it's when the doctor says you've got a disease you're terminally ill you've got three months to live you're going to die that's one thing that your soul can uh, process and if you process that you'll be dead in three months but if God's word says you shall live and not die That there is healing in the atonement, in the cross of Christ. That God is a miracle working God. And I am greater than what the doctor has said. If that's working inside of you and your soul processes that, guess what? There is a miracle moment that is possible for you. Which will you act on? Will you act on just what the doctor says who's practicing medicine? And boy, I've been practiced on numerous times. Or will you listen to a great physician who created you, who knows intricately how you work, he knows every strand of DNA, every cell, he knows everything, he knows, he has numbered the hairs of your head, and and, and of course people like me, it's a little bit easier for him to go by. Will you listen to that and then let that be processed in your soul so the next decision you make will be the right one? Because, if, if you, because because whatever you decide to process in that soul area is going to determine the quality of your life. So we've been talking about that. We've been talking about how all of this makes a difference and so we're supposed to live life inside out. I'm going backwards here. Let's see if I can get it going. Inside out. You're not to live outside in. You're to live inside out. And that means living inside by the power of the Spirit. Now, today is Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday morning. And so we need to focus in on resurrection, resurrection power. And we want to talk just a little bit about where resurrection power interfaces with you. Where does resurrection power come about in your life? And so we want to talk about this a little bit because, honestly, in the Church of Jesus Christ... Honestly, I don't know that I see, and I'm talking, I'm throwing myself into the bucket, okay? So anything I say right now, I'm right there with you. We talk a lot about resurrection power, but I'm not sure that I have seen uh, in wholesale uh, example or manifestation, I have not seen a lot of difference in the way Christian people live and, and, and the way maybe we could call it the world lives or non-Christians live I haven't seen a lot of difference maybe maybe you have and I hope it has and I hope you're a life that testifies to that but I just want to talk about this for just a moment there was a Danish philosopher now bear with me you're gonna think I'm gonna tell you a story that's really highbrow but it's gonna be almost as simple as a nursery rhyme There was a Danish philosopher by the name of Kierkegaard and Kierkegaard used to watch the church in Denmark and he would go to parties and he would go to church and he would, he would fellowship with all sorts of people and then he would go back to his room and he would write these little silly parables. And as, because he was a philosopher, he'd make fun of the things that he heard. And so he was looking at the church of Denmark and he wrote this story which was called The, the Parable of the Ducks. Now, now listen to this story he told. He said this, There once was a land filled with ducks, And uh, one day, uh, it was time for all the ducks to go to church. So all the ducks got up early that morning, and they waddled in as ducks do, and they sat down in their duck church, each of them in their place in their duck pew, waiting for the duck preacher to come out and preach to them. Suddenly, the door opened, and the duck preacher waddled out and began his sermon. The duck preacher said, You ducks were made awesome. And all the ducks went quack, 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 quack. He said, you ducks are marvelous creatures. You were meant to fly. And all the ducks went quack, 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 quack. Beyond that, you ducks weren't just meant to fly, this duck preacher said. You were meant to soar, soar over everything. And the ducks started getting more excited. They started going quack, 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 quack. He goes, you were never meant as a duck to squander in the dirt and to to rub your face in in. In, in mud, for your food, you were meant to arise and soar as ducks should, and by that time, the duck congregation was just in an amazing f- frenzy as they were sitting there going, quack, 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 quack." And then he dismissed them, and they all waddled home. Do you get the parable? The parable was they got excited over what he was preaching, but it never translated into how they were living. They said their quack quacks like we say our amens. And we got excited when the preacher told us about all the possibilities that we have as believers. But when the service got finished, we all waddle home. Nobody soars don't you think it's time to soar i think it's time i think it's time for us to figure out why aren't we soaring and the messages we're doing on the inner man are going to give us at least a part of the understanding or some of the keys with regards to how we can quit looking like that duck church and start looking like the church amen So let's talk about that today because we want to talk about the inward resurrection power. In 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read several passages out of here, but I want you to listen carefully, okay? Whether you have your Bible with you or not, listen. This is God speaking to us. He says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, which means Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Have you ever, we'll get back to this. In fact, I'll just leave that go. But I want you to underscore that in your mind. Jesus wasn't seen by just a few women at the tomb. It says here he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remained to this present but some have fallen asleep or died after that he was seen by James then by all the apostles then last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time then leaping over to verse 12 it says now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith also is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if in this life only we have hope in christ we are of all men the most pitiable now paul writes these words in order to let us know that the resurrection of jesus was the greatest event that ever took place it wasn't just because a man was dead and came to life again now that's an amazing story is it not true that a dead man comes to life again but let's be honest in the day and age we live in there are there are people that have died at hospitals and the doctor gets the paddles out and he puts the paddles on the guy and and then zaps him and the guy comes to life again so sometimes I think when we hear that a man was raised from the dead we live in our modern 21st century society and sometimes I don't think it hits us with the same force as it should hear me the guy wasn't dead for like two or three minutes the guy was dead for three days For three days he was in the tomb. Now hear me, when he was raised from the dead, it wasn't just a great comeback story, but Jesus accomplished some things and he brought some things that no one else could bring to us. Now this is the important part with regards to how it is you're going to begin to live your life in such a way that it becomes victorious and distinguishable from everyone else. Listen, everyone else is out here and, and, and their lives, they fall apart. Their lives are dysfunctional. It's crazy. And, and if we have been given opportunity to live a different way than everyone else has, has decided to live, then I'm going to take advantage of it and I want you to take advantage of it too. Now there are six things that Paul says, six ramifications concerning if Christ has not been risen from the dead. He says, these six things, our teaching is futile. Hear me today, if Jesus Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, I've got nothing to say. Our teaching is futile. He says, secondly, our faith is in vain. In other words, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, what you're believing for isn't going to happen. It's in vain. It isn't going to take place. If Christ is not risen from the dead, it says, we are liars. We're, we're spinning yarns to you. We're speaking myths to you. We're not speaking the truth to you if he's not risen from the dead. Number four, uh, it says we are still in our sins. If Jesus hasn't arose from the dead, we're still in our sins. We, we still got a problem here with regards to being able to have a relationship with God. He says, number five, if Christ be not risen, those who died are gone forever. They become worm food. They might have meant well, they might have been sincere, and it might have sounded good when you went to the funeral, what the preacher said. But if Christ be not risen, then those who have died are gone forever. You are nothing but dust. And lastly, he says, the ramification is that if Christ be not raised, above all else, we are people to be pitied. So Paul went to special lengths to remind us that Christ, arose from the dead in fact christ arose as a first fruit in fact he goes to such lengths he tells us in this corinthian passage that he wasn't just seen by that group of women he wasn't just seen by a disciple or two and they got together and uh, they are the only ones that we have to be sure saw this thing he didn't say that uh Uh, you know, they were seen by just somebody who needed a new set of glasses or somebody that had dementia or Alzheimer's, and we really can't take them at their word. But he says that over 500 people at one time saw Jesus alive after the crucifixion. Nobody has been able to dispute that. The resurrection is the greatest attested-to historical fact That there is. Do you realize that there is more fact, historical fact concerning the resurrection of Jesus than there is the existence of Plato, the existence of Aristotle? More people, let me just tell you this, there are people right now that believe that Atlantis existed. Well, I believe Atlantis existed. It's in the Bahamas now. It's this great hotel that... I'm telling you, don't... Don't let anybody, you may not be able to articulate it, but I can tell you by way of fact it's been articulated written by others that the resurrection is one of the most attested to historical facts that there is. In fact, all of us to this day, we can go to the tomb and we can see the empty tomb. Tens of thousands of Jews went to see that empty tomb. I can assure you they went to see that empty tomb. Those Romans went to see the empty tomb. I assure you that if any of them could have generated the body of Jesus and showed how it was stolen or somehow, which I always get a kick out of a lot of the theories of of why the resurrection didn't take place, like somehow or another, Jesus, when he was laid on that cold stone in that cool tomb, was revived from that vicious beating and crucifixion he went through. I mean, what you have to do to believe, to believe the stories they use in order to disprove The resurrection almost takes more faith than to just simply say, I embrace the resurrection. But Paul goes to great lengths to tell us he was raised from the dead. Why? Because Christ arose as a first fruit, the scripture says. In Romans 8, uh, 29, um, it says... For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. And what that means is, in Second Peter 1 and 3, that his, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Um, I'm wondering, let me go real quick, Second Peter, let me read something here. We may have, Second Peter chapter 21:3 and 4 it says this by which you have been given oh I got to get to verse 4 that's why all right verse 4 by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption uh, that is in the world through its lusts so we are no longer to be mere men we're no longer to be just normal human beings but the bible tells us that while the creation was subjected to a sense of futility and while you have experienced futility that through the resurrection and through his nature that we become partakers of that you and I actually have the ability to live life in a different way we no longer have to live like mere men but we can live more like him now that's a pretty radical statement if you think about it in other words there should be a distinguishable difference between us and those who don't know Jesus. Now the question is, how are we like we're no longer mere humans. How are we like our risen Lord? How are we like? Because that's the question. then how are we like Him? You mean I'm, I mean, I, I don't feel, I, believe me, I don't feel like Jesus, I don't much act like Jesus. How in the world am I like Jesus? In 2 Corinthians 5:21, it says, "For he made him, meaning the Lord, who knew no sin." To what? Be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen carefully to this. On the cross, right here, this cross. When Jesus was placed on the cross, you've heard this before, he took our place. But even beyond him taking our place, because we were, we were in rebellion, we were alienated to God, we had no right to relationship with God. We had no right to an eternity with the Lord. So, so what was the way out? How do we get out of the mess that we're in? The Lord sends His Son who now becomes the atonement. Atonement is literally at one meant. You can be at one or at peace with God. He, he liberally and, and, and lovingly And willingly lays his life down on a cross. And the Bible says he became sin. It didn't mean he represented sin. This is an important point. It wasn't that he was just an example of what God does to sin. It's not just a picture or an illustration for us. Paul said he became sin. When he was beaten and crucified to such a degree that his whole body was marred It was literally skin and sinew and muscle were hanging on the bones. He was beaten so brutally. That's exactly what sin does. And he became sin, substituting himself for us. He became sin in order that what? We might become the righteousness of God. He became what I deserved in order that I can become who he is does that make you go tilt at all now we like this part this part that oh yeah I like that he took on everything he he took upon himself everything that I deserved he became sin I like that part because you know what I don't want that I don't like that I don't even think I deserve that but I'm just telling you even if I deserved it all in my natural reasoning, I don't want anything to do with it. Let, let me tell you something. Here's, he, he became that because you did in order that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And hear me when I say this. And this is the part that, that come on now, we're, we're like that duck church. You can't go amen and then here in a little bit go up and waddle out the door. I'm telling you, it's not that he just calls you righteous or declares you righteous. He's made you righteous. That's that's pretty remarkable. And, And so the resurrection becomes this picture of what it means to be to us to be born again. Because literally we need to be born again. I don't want to be born like I was the first time in the mess, but I'm being born again by the resurrection power of God in order that I might be like Him. The Scripture tells us that He has delivered us from the power of darkness... "...and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him." And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So when we embrace him, there's a miracle that begins to take place that is more than just your forgiveness and your pardon for your sins, but something begins to happen inside of you. There are three miraculous things and this is what I'm going to land on and and everybody can be happy about this. Pastor's probably going to cut you loose a little earlier than I normally do. And everybody said to that, Amen and Amen. But before I cut you loose to waddle, no, no, come on, say no way, Pastor. No way, no way. I ain't waddling. I ain't waddling. I ain't waddling out. There are three miraculous happenings that I just want to remind some of you of, share with others of you. I just want to let you know three miraculous happenings in this new life. When you, when you say yes to Jesus, when you receive Jesus as Lord, these are the things that are happening in that moment of yes. When you say, yes, Lord, I receive you, I confess my sins, I repent from that life, I turn to walk in another direction, you're literally, this is what's going on, you're literally exchanging places with him on this cross. Because your forgiveness is based on the fact that you recognize that he took upon himself the very thing that you deserved. And so you say yes to the Lord because you're saying yes to the substitution and yes to the sacrifice. I say yes to the Lord because he took it upon himself so that I might not have to take it for all eternity. And all of a sudden this this substitution begins to happen in the spirit And he takes... This is the crazy part about the Lord. He takes all the dirty laundry. But hear me when I say this. You're not just giving him your dirty laundry. You're giving him your future. You're giving him... The right to control. You're giving Him the right to call the shots. You're giving Him every aspect of your life. You just get to toss it to Him. But here's the good deal. You toss everything there is of you to Him. Even the dirty laundry. You toss it all to Him. This is the good deal. He tosses everything there is of Him to you. That's a pretty good deal. I'll take that deal. Please don't wake God up. Hope he never finds out about that one because we got the good end of that deal. No, he knows exactly what he's doing. Three events, three happenings that are very important. Number one is this you must realize that you now are a recreated person. Now, I know you don't feel any different. There are days you feel just as normal as normal can be. But I'm going to make an incredible statement that I can back up by the word and it's this Christianity is even more than a spiritual miracle it starts as a spiritual miracle but it weaves its way into biological ramifications you say really absolutely really second Corinthians 517 it's one of my favorite passages it says this therefore if anyone you know what this means in the Greek means anyone If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This phrase, new creation, literally means something that has never existed before. You were recreated into a son or a daughter of God. And we don't seem to preach this as much as probably we used to and probably we need to because we're so busy trying to connect with people and be relevant to people and let people know we're just like they are and we put our pants on the same way and we tie our shoes the same way and you know we experience life just the same way and everybody's looking to somehow connect we got to connect with the world we got to let them know that we're like them let me tell you there's a piece of me that's nothing like them Now that's not, that's not being arrogant, it's not being presumptuous, nor is it living life with my nose stuck in the air. The only reason I got here wasn't because of me, it was because of him. In fact, I would be dead as a doornail if it weren't for him. But the fact of the matter is, is that when Jesus comes into my life, I am a new creation. I am something that hasn't existed before. That's why when you're born again, all of your friends look at you and say, what happened? Are you a pod person? Was there a pod that was slipped into your bedroom and they ate you up, and now this pod person exists? Because you aren't acting the same, thinking the same, even talking the same. Now, hear me, not all of that happens instantly, but all of that is processing inside of you as this new creature is coming out. That's powerful. We literally, the Bible said, I read it to you in 2 Peter 1 and 4, we literally have received His nature. Resurrection glory has invaded our life. In the Old Testament, we were covered by the blood. In the New Testament, it says we are cleansed by the blood. In the Old Testament, righteousness was imputed to you. In the New Testament, we see righteousness imparted to you. You know, it's interesting to me that in the day we live in, we, 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 there are two things at work. There are the gifts of God and the glory of God. Now, I, I appreciate the gifts of God, and I believe the gifts of God are important, but the gifts of God demand no character from us. But the gifts of God can just be used, and it can reach people, and a gift can encourage, and it can edify. And, but hear me when I say this. Gifts have their place, but glory, glory can do some of the same things too. But it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. In other words, this is what Paul's writing when he says this. A gifted man is good and you can be encouraged and wowed and, and it can speak to you, but it may not transform you. But if the glory of God comes, the glory of God will transform you into these very things that we're talking about. You were recreated into another person. Is that not remarkable? So if you ever talk to yourself, you can say, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having this debate between who I was and who I now am. Recreated into another person. Number two, God life has been released into you. The life of God, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, the life of God has been released inside of you. In this world, there is vegetable life, animal life, human life. But did you know that there's also God life? It says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come. Now this is the enemy, this is the devil. The thief does not come except to what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. So let's stop here for just a minute. What is, the devil's, what is the devil's strategy in your life? It's right here. The devil's strategy in your life is to steal from you, to ultimately kill you, and to destroy you. He doesn't fight fair. It's not right. He'll, he's never just. He doesn't give a flip. He's after you. Because he wants to do everything he can to shut down, to mar, and to kill God's design. He's after you. But this is what Jesus said. He said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it, what? More abundantly. This is more than biological existence. The good news is is that the Lord certainly wants to give you longevity. He wants to heal bodies. He wants to give you a length of days so that you can be productive in His purposes. But God life is more than just biologically existing the Greek word is Zoe Zoe actually means divine life it means when Jesus rose from the dead he was more than just biologically functioning again he was full of God life God life that God life provides an ability for you to overcome and to live in what he describes as abundance this doesn't always mean money or stuff although he's not against necessarily blessing in that area but it doesn't mean primarily that you get money and stuff. That's not what life is all about. You can have all the money in the world, you can have all the stuff imaginable, and you can still be a most miserable human being. In fact, you can have all that stuff and you can die long before your time. You can have all that stuff and you can spend an eternity separated from God. So we're not talking about you just getting stuff, but the life more abundantly he's speaking about is is that you will have... You will have the divine ability and the divine right to live in this life right now in such a way that when you process it and you navigate it, you deal with it at a level that it doesn't take you out, but it takes you over it. You overcome. You conquer. You press through. I know it may tax you to your very limits, but the fact of the matter is the Bible says, though the righteous may fall six, yea, even seven times, they will rise again. You can keep punching me, hitting me, giving me setbacks. You can curse me. You can call me every name in the book, but it won't stop me. Why is that? Because life is in me. Divine life. You can even kill my body, but it doesn't stop me. I still get to go be with Him in eternity. That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Sure it is. Most frustrating guy in the world. As he's riding in a jail cell, getting ready to be killed by Nero. And Nero says, if I let the guy go, he keeps preaching the gospel. And that irritates me. But if I kill him, all he does is rejoice because he gets to go be in heaven and it makes all of his followers shout and go crazy. And that irritates me. So what do I do with this guy? He's just this irritating guy. Why is that? Because divine life has landed in him and life is landing in you and in me and in that life there is victory. And I'm preaching it. You're saying, I don't know that I live there all the time. That's why I'm preaching it today because I got to preach you there again. I got to exhort you there again i got to challenge you there again. I understand we're all going to get up and we're going to do our best to shake our tails and try not to waddle our way out. I understand. I get it. Monday will be here. But you need someone to remind you and to tell you and to declare to you. And the reason we don't get this anymore in our lives is because you don't hear it declared much anymore. We're getting what we preach. And a lot of times we're just preaching, let's relate, and I'm just like you, and everybody's sinned, and we're all falling short, and God knows if you only knew, knew what I did in my spare time. And, and so we're confessing all this stuff, and we're living just like everyone else, but we come to church and we quack a lot. And I say, let's quack, and then let's arise, and let's soar. And that's what I'm exhorting you to do. God life has been released to you. Romans eight eleven says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in where? Do you see what he just said there? That resurrection power dwells in you who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal through his spirit who dwells in you, in other words, he's saying the same resurrection power that raised up Jesus from the dead. This is what Paul's saying: I'm going to put it in you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Romans six five says: For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's, there's, there's. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, brethren and sisters. There is a place in God that we have got to pursue to. Do I think I've attained it yet? No, Paul never thought he attained it all. He says not that I've attained it, but I press forward. I don't claim to have attained it, but I'm pressing forward because I because I believe I believe this is more true than what I see. And then lastly, three miraculous happenings in this new life and we've already touched on it. You have the spirit of a conqueror. You have the spirit of a conqueror. You say, I don't feel very conquering ish. I don't feel like I have triumphed over much. Doesn't matter what you feel at the moment. The, The question is, this is where we're starting. It's recognizing what's happening or it's now embracing the truth of what is and then allowing that to become the reality that the Word of God says it is for all of our lives. You know, it's interesting that when I was saved, I was saved when I was 18 years old. It was my first year of college. It was a good thing the Lord saved me because, because I, was, I was crashing fast. I was at school, and uh, I was cutting classes all the time. I was I was majoring, actually, in, in pool shooting and beer drinking. That was my major. They didn't have a diploma for that, but that was what my major was quickly becoming. I was 18 years old. And... Uh, I remember when God began to deal with me. And there are many, many reasons that He began to deal with me. Some of it was the purposelessness. Some of it was just the conviction and the weight of my sinful life that was being worked out in front of Him. But I remember when I was saved, the relief, the relief of just being released from the weight and the burden and the guilt of sin was incredible. To actually experience a moment when all that I had, and, and you, you say, How much could you generate in 18 years? You'd be amazed what a guy can generate in about six months. 18 years, man. All I know is, praise God, he got me at 18. But here's the good news. It doesn't matter if you're 18, 36, 54, 76, 90 plus. It doesn't matter. That there is a place in him that when he touches your life to experience the peace and the joy and all that's lifted from you at that particular moment is an amazing thing and and, and i experienced that so many never experience that they come and and i don't know what's going on maybe 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 they aren't as desperate maybe maybe they aren't as sincere i, I have no answers to all the questions as to why god works some ways in some people and not The same way in all people, all I know is is that I was desperate, I wanted God, and I got in front of God, and he met me there, and all that stuff was gone. That, That was one thing that happened, but the second thing that needed to happen that didn't because I was just ignorant. You know, I've always said this, I said, whenever we're born again, God gives us a new heart. If I were God and I could counsel, or if I could counsel God, this is what I'd say, instead of giving people a new heart, what they really need is a new brain. They ought to get a new brain. That's what needs to be taken out and something new shoved in. Because while I got a new heart, I was ignorant. And I think, it was, I think it was Hosea who said the words, he said, My people perish, my people, this is God speaking, my people perish for lack of knowledge, and hell has opened wide its throat. What he's saying there is this, because my people are stupid, my people are so stupid they're living in hell right now. That's what God's saying. Now, he said that, didn't he? Hosea said that better than I did. But that's what what that verse means. God's people are just dumb, and, and they're ignorant, and they don't know all that's available, and because of that, they're living lives in their own personal hell. That's why some people say, hell doesn't scare me. Eternal hell doesn't scare me. I'm living hell now. And you don't have to live hell now because the Bible says that if we... If we have our minds renewed, our hearts changed, our minds renewed, that there is a place in Him that we don't have to live that way. And one of those places, at least for me, was that I became an overcomer. I didn't realize that till years later. I, I, I became, I became a conqueror. I became the master instead of instead of being the pawn of my circumstances. I became the master of my circumstances instead of instead of just seeing a, a smidgen of victory here, there, and everywhere, we become triumph. We could become triumphant in all things. This is what Paul, when he writes, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And now he's speaking a little of the eternal realm here as well. But listen, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, that death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, listen, but thanks be to God, who gives us what? He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. The, listen, the grave could not stop him. Hell could not stop Him. Devils could not stop Him. Satan could not stop Him. Nothing could stop Him. The stone couldn't stop Him. The Roman guards couldn't stop Him. The Jewish leaders couldn't stop Him. The crowd couldn't stop Him. Jesus couldn't be stopped. He came out alive forevermore and the same power that raised Him up from the dead is working alive in those who have called upon His name that's why i preach this stuff and because that is in you you now have become unstoppable i could get happy here in a minute you are unstoppable do you understand you can take everything away from me take away my house my vehicles Take away my children. You could take away my wife. You could take away all of my earthly possessions. You could take this away. You could take it all away from me, but you can't stop me. You can't stop me. Isn't that crazy powerful? Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. Maybe you're challenged. Maybe you've got internal things and and feelings and emotions and you're just not being able to get over them or maybe you got things going on around you that are just out of control circumstances and you're saying man this is crazy my life is crazy right now hear me when I tell this to you all of it can crumble around you we don't want it to I believe God can intervene for you but hear me even if it all crumbles around you you can't be stopped And I'll just end with this. And I'm done. How about that? It's a miracle. He's concluding and it's like four minutes to 12. Write it down. God has moved in our midst. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Hear me got this revelation. This was a few years ago, but I, 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 I've walked with God almost 40 years now, and I didn't get this till just a couple years ago. Christ, Christ was beaten by his enemies. But hear me when I say this. He arose in the midst of his enemies. In other words, the very place they tried to bury him is the very place that he was victorious over them. If, if that hits you like it hits me, that, 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 that'll, that'll, that'll turn you upside down. Some of you right now are in the midst of your enemies, and you so badly want to get an ejection out of where you're at. Oh, God, just eject me from this place. Get me out of this circumstance, out of this moment, out of this this feeling. Just get me out, get me out, get me out. And you think the miracle is that God's going to get you out. Hear me now. You can read all through the Scripture. God didn't get Daniel out of Babylon. No, he didn't get him out of a lion's den, and he didn't get the three Hebrew boys Uh out of the fiery furnace. He didn't get him out, did he? Didn't get Joseph instantly out of prison or Potiphar's house and all those problems. Listen to me. This is really important. I don't know whether God will lead you out or not, but this much I can tell you that in the place where your enemies are trying to bury you, that might be the very place God will raise you. If he that worketh inside of you is allowed to begin to come forth and live through you in an amazing way. You say, how how does that happen? Then you need to come next week. (laughs) Bishop Bishop Fred's going to shell the corn next week, and he'll tell you a little bit more about that. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. This is in him too, man. This is in him too. And he may stand up here. We all know that we're believing for a healing for Bishop. And he, and he may shake just a little bit. But let me tell you what that's shaking. That's shaking every chain off. That's, that's shaking every, every burden, every yoke of bondage. I'm telling you, we are conquering. It doesn't matter how much he shakes or how bald I get. Or how old all of us become. Hear me now. Greater is he. That's in us than he that's in the world. That's, that's, the, that's what the resurrection story means today to you and to me. Do you believe that? Come on now. I'm going to ask in just about 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm thinking here because I'd like, I'd like to have fun with you for just a moment and have everybody just shake and waddle. But I, I, I may just, that may be asking too much. may be asking too much we we may we may we may want to avoid that but when you stand up listen when you stand up this is what you got to say the waddling's over the quacking the quacking's okay the amen's are okay but now but now it's I, I, i'm going to pursue i'm going to enter i'm going to embrace and i'm going to find this thing what he said i believe it i'm going to find it And if you do that, then you can come join me on that journey too. Amen? Bishop, you can join us, can't they? We're going to figure this out. We're going to find this place because we're no longer mere men. Stand with me, will you please?